one who wrote such a firm hand should trace the letters so lightly. The address was always written as though there were not enough ink in the pen, or the writer's wrist were too weak to bear upon it. Another curious thing was that in spite of its masculine curves, the writing was so visibly feminine. Some hands are sexless, some masculine at first glance. The writing on the grey envelope, for all its strength and assurance, was without doubt a woman's. The envelope never bore anything but the recipient's name. No stamp, no address. The letter was presumably delivered by hand. But by whose? No doubt it was slipped into the letterbox, whence the parlour-maid, when she closed the shutters and lit the lights, probably extracted it. At any rate, it was always in the evening after dark that Charlotte saw it lying there. She thought of the letter in the singular as it, because though there had been several since her marriage, seven to be exact, they were so alike in appearance that they had become merged into one another in her mind, become one letter, become it. The first had come the day after their return from their honeymoon, a journey prolonged to the West Indies, from which they had returned to New York after an absence of more than two months, re-entering the house with her husband late that first evening. They had dined at his mother's. She had seen, alone on the hall table, the grey envelope. Her eye fell on it before Kenneth's, and her first thought was, why, I've seen that writing before. But where, she could not recall. The memory was just definite enough for her to identify the script whenever it looked up at her faintly from the same pale envelope. But on that first day, she would have thought no more of the letter, if... When her husband's glance lit on it, she had not chanced to be looking at him. It all happened in a flash, his seeing the letter, putting out his hand for it, raising it to his short-sighted eyes to decipher the faint writing, and then abruptly withdrawing the arm he had slipped through Charlotte's and moving away to the hanging light, his back turned to her. She had waited, waited for a sound, an exclamation waited for him to open the letter. But he had slipped it into his pocket without a word and followed her into the library. And there they had sat down by the fire and lit their cigarettes, and he had remained silent, his head thrown back broodingly against the armchair, his eyes fixed on the hearth, and presently had passed his hand over his forehead and said, Wasn't it unusually hot at my mother's tonight? I've got a splitting head. Mind if I take myself off to bed? That was the first time. Since then, Charlotte had never been present when he had received the letter. It usually came before he got home from his office, and she had to go upstairs and leave it lying there. But even if she had not seen it, she would have known it had come by the change in his face when he joined her, which on those evenings he seldom did before they met for dinner. Evidently, whatever the letter contained, He wanted to be by himself to deal with it, and when he reappeared, he looked years older, looked emptied of life and courage, and hardly conscious of her presence. Sometimes he was silent for the rest of the evening, and if he spoke it was usually to hint some criticism of her household arrangements, suggest some change in the domestic administration, to ask a little nervously, if she didn't think Joyce's nursery governess was rather young and flighty, or if she herself always saw to it that Peter, 
whose throat was delicate, was properly wrapped up when he went to school. At such times, Charlotte would remember the friendly warning she had received when she became engaged to Kenneth Ashby. Marrying a heartbroken widower, isn't that rather risky? You know, Elsie Ashby absolutely dominated him. And how she had jokingly replied, he may be glad of a little liberty for a change. And in this respect, she had been right. She had needed no one to tell her during the first months that her husband was perfectly happy with her. When they came back from their protracted honeymoon, the same friend said, What have you done to Kenneth? He looks twenty years younger. And this time she answered with careless joy, I suppose I've got him out of his groove. But what she noticed after the grey letters began to come was not so much his nervous, tentative fault-finding, which always seemed to be uttered against his will.